Welcome to the Sarah Centrella Show. Join best-selling author, master life coach, and manifesting expert Sarah Centrella as she shares tips, tools, and inspiring interviews to help you create your dream life. It's time to hustle and thrive. Now, here's your host, Sarah Centrella. All right, everybody, welcome to the show today. Today, I'm going to do another one of our listener coaching calls. So, um, I know I've gotten a lot of great feedback from the past ones. I love uh, this this concept because I think sometimes it's just it's easier to learn in real life situations. I mean, I feel like a lot of times I'm I'm you know coaching stuff and using my own examples, and a lot of times I think listeners can get a brand new breakthrough when they're hearing new samples that aren't mine. Um, so I am excited to welcome to the show today, uh, Candice. Candice, welcome. Thank you so much. Yes, I'm glad to have you on the show today. And when you um, had written in, you had mentioned that you would love to get some, some mentoring, some coaching, some ideas on writing. And I have not done a podcast yet on um, becoming an author or the writing process or any of that. So I thought that would be a great um, topic for us to dig into today. And why don't you tell us a little bit, um, just really briefly, about yourself, like like who you are, and then also um, what it is that you're writing. Okay. Um, My name is Candice. Currently, I, I work in corporate America and, um, you know, just just a lot going on there, kind of stressful. But I've always had um, a dream of becoming um, an author, a best-selling author. And um, I write fiction, um, paranormal fantasy. And I'm working on a book and trying to kind of manage my time between work and children and uh, everything else, which can become crazy I hear you. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I hear you. So you've been um, writing for a while. Is this the first book? Is the second book? Where does that fall in? Oh, I would say it's it's probably like a third book. Like I've started so many, but I, you know, during quarantine, I got really serious and said, hey, I'm going to finish one. So, um... Yeah, um, it's it's been a long time coming. I would say at least at least seven years or so. I've kind of been, you know, going back and forth about getting a book out. I feel you, man. My first, uh, <laughs> my very first attempt at a book was that story's life, and it was back kind of based on on my blog when I was blogging, um, and it was terrible. I'm so embarrassed now that I like even sent it to anybody, you know, because I didn't know, you don't know what you don't know, right? Um, and mm-hmm. I would say that that process of of writing that first book, which has become, eventually became hustlebleep received, but after like seven different iterations and rewrites and mm-hmm. four, almost five years worth of work, um, it's, it's such an evolutionary process writing and the one good thing is that we continue to get better and better and better and better and um, so what questions do you have um, let's start there and then I can 
can share a little bit of the knowledge that I've learned uh, as far as like the publishing world goes and things like that. Okay. Um, one of the main questions I have is, um, and you'd probably kick my butt at this one, but just, just <laughs> time management <laughs> um, yeah. because, you know, corporate world is, is just so nuts with working and just the demands there. Um, taking care of kids, coming home, cleaning the house. And, you know, I've, I've committed myself to a certain amount of um, words to write per day. Mm-hmm. And okay. sometimes I just don't hit those, and I get so frustrated right. with myself. <laughs> so, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, any advice that you would have, you know, just making yourself do it or not being as hard as – like I said, I get really upset with myself. <laughs> Right. No, that's a great question. And it's a question um, that I get asked a lot in kind of various ways, not not even just writing, but in general. Us moms, it's tough. We have a lot on our plate. Um, You have young kids, right? Your kids are still pretty young. They're under four. Oh, God, yeah. Three and one. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So you have your hands full, um, clearly. You've definitely been there. Um, so I'll, I'll just share kind of how I did it and I'm not even going to lie to you. It was not easy at all. And if mm. anybody knows anything about me, I'm all about let's pull back the curtain and show and talk about what it's actually fucking like so that people don't have uh, yeah, and I love that. expectations <laughs> and then like yeah. wonder what's wrong with them because it's hard for them. No, the shit is fucking hard. Um, mm-hmm. when I wrote, <laughs> when I wrote Hustle Believe Receive, like I said, I've been working on my first book since 2011. So from 2011 to 2015, when I finally got an agent for Hustle Believe Receive, I had rewritten, and Hustle Believe Receive was a brand new book, but it came from kind of just the general knowledge that I had gained from from rewriting Thought Stories Life maybe five or six times. And that book was kind of more of a memoir, less of less of help, I guess. Um, but all of those iterations helped me become a better writer so I could figure out how to put a book together and figure out what I wanted to say and kind of all of those things. So it was a needed okay. journey um, through there. But when I, in 2015, I was working um, a super demanding uh, corporate job. I was in high-tech um, sales with an office in New York and an office in LA. And so I was on oh. a plane once a week pretty much for at least a day, sometimes two, um, like crisscrossing the country in sales. And then being a single mom of three kids, my kids were obviously much younger then, um, and and didn't have any help, didn't have nannies, didn't have any of that stuff, um, and decided to take on this project of not only writing the book, but I also had 52 interviews that I did for the book, which just made the whole thing so much more complicated and time consuming Um, because I was doing all these interviews and I had to write all the stories and I had to get all the approvals and it was just like so much. Um, And so how I did it is I didn't even know this was a thing back then, but apparently it is. I just started time blocking really, really intentionally, um, which was kind of something I had always done from the time I became a single mom anyway, just for my own survival, um, but specifically around writing is, you know, my nine to five, even though I worked from home, I had to work, right? Um, 
And so that was definitely clock in time. Um, when the kids got home from school or whatever, it would kind of integrate them as best I could for my last like two, three hours uh, there. And then I would be with them from the time they got home and time I clocked out until um, I've always had an early bedtime for my kids, which is the key. <laughs> bedtime, mom. Bedtime, bedtime, fucking bedtime, okay? Um, bedtime will save your life. So my my kids had an 8 o'clock hard stop bedtime probably until they were all in, like, sixth grade, maybe even seventh. Like, I stretched that shit out until I couldn't be stretched anymore. Like, I don't play. Because without it, there's no way. I mean, there just is no way. And so if, if you – I don't know if you're a, um, a schedule person or not, but I, I tell every parent, like, I was never one of those parents who was like, oh, I have to have a schedule. But then I realized, like, I can't live without one. <laughs> like, I need it for my own yeah. sanity. I need it for the kids' routine. It just makes your life so much easier. So especially during those years, all three of my kids were on the 8 o'clock schedule. And even in the summer when it's, like, clearly light out, I'm like, sorry, bedtime. But they were so used to it that they didn't fight it, right? It's all they had known. Um, and so it was just their bodies were used to it and whatever. And so as soon as they were in bed, I would do – you know, my half hour of whatever mom stuff I had to do. And then I would sit down and I'd write. And depending on if I was in the zone or not, which as a writer, you, you know what I'm talking about. Like there's sometimes you can yeah. write four chapters and you're just like on fire. Um, yeah. And on those nights I'd be up till three, four in the morning and then oh. get up for my 6 a.m. work calls and start wow. the, the next day. And then there was days where it just was not there. And, and so those days I would – rework a chapter you know Hmm. so I don't know if you've got through to that process yet where you're doing the rewriting process but that's a good way to kind of um go back and forth because not every day are you super inspired to put down those whatever hundred words Mm -hmm. or whatever your word goal is you know what I mean um and so on those days just just rework a chapter Rework the last chapter. Rework the first chapter. Because I have to tell you, that first draft is probably going to look nothing like your last draft. That's how many rewrites you're going to need. So might as well start working on them right now. Like, (laughs) get that in. So does that kind of help at all? Do you have any type of routine or schedule that that you're working with now? Um, I do have a, a routine or I do have a schedule. I, I wake up pretty early in the mornings around 5.30 and um, I, I start writing. Um, the, the, my, my youngest child is, is kind of going through a sleep regression. So, you know, as of late, I haven't yeah. been getting up and, you know, that's been kind of frustrating. But, you know, I, I can be a lot more stricter on bedtime, like what you're saying. I can uh, – <laughs> those things oh God, could, could possibly work for me. Um, so, and, yeah, and that, I will that, tell that's you something that, that would be helpful. Yeah, it's, I will tell you that the first week especially, the first 10 days, but the first week of implementing bedtime, you said your oldest is four or two? My oldest just made three. <laughs> Three. Okay. Perfect. Perfect. So perfect age. So with that age, the first probably five days, because they acclimate faster, they're going to be a bigger nightmare 
<laughs> for three days of implementing a schedule, like actual probably physical labor, you taking them back to bed, back to bed, back to bed, like them screaming, like, you know, it's going to wear your last nerve down. But if you just go into it knowing that the first couple days could really be hell um, and just be like, hey, I'm going to win this game. So I'm here for the long game. It's going to get me my life back. <laughs> it's going to give me sanity um, and just commit to being really calm and really patient through that process. Um, that after about four or five days with that age group, um, they're going to they're going to take to it. And a week later, they're going to take to it without question. And from then on out, they're going to take to it. And it's, you're going to be like, oh, my God, I never knew this could be so easy. And it's just like I'm telling you, I've helped so many um, moms. I've, I've coached both in person and on the phone and for women on how uh, to do this because it's, I think it's just so critical, not just for the kids. It's good for the kids to have the schedule, right? Pediatricians agree right. it does, but – I mean, for our own sanity, like, it's fine to be selfish in this one, like, just be selfish, be like, you know what, I'm not even going to lie, I'm doing it for mom, like, because it, it really is, it's so great that, and if you have a routine that you can kind of stick to, for me, I'm going to give you my, my pro tip, okay, so all okay. parents, if you have, have kids, like, under fifth grade, <laughs> um, for the sixth grade, then you set a bedtime and you stick to it no matter what and just know you're going to get a fight for about a week. The first couple of days, you're going to want to literally, yeah, um, <laughs> scream your head out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, stick to it. Um, and so when kids were really little, I would play them Jim Brickman. So if you don't know who he is, you can find him anywhere he's, he's a very famous pianist and so it's just very okay. calming kind of like spa music almost yeah but, yeah but here's the thing like I would play the same cd and so it, the first song became their sleep trigger so I started mm. playing it that when my kids good. were like infants like literally infants from from birth so they would trigger to that song if I put it on in the car they would fall asleep. It was like almost like hypnosis. It was crazy because they'd be like, "That's their sleepy song." Yeah, that's amazing. And it's amazing. calming for you as a parent, you know. So it's keeping your blood pressure down when <laughs> it's getting stressful. <laughs> and for them, they will always associate it. And then, you know, I I used it when they were young to fly, and for other things when they would, you know, be nervous or scared, we'd put it on and it would calm them. So that is freaking everything. So if you can kind of tie a few things in, then you have oh. like transferable skills that you can get them right on. And then you're free. You're free from eight to 10 or whatever to do whatever it is you need to do. Okay. Yeah, that, that does help. Um, yeah, that, that sounds great. Um, and another um thing I, I kind of wanted to, to ask you about is um, I, I consider myself a very type A type of person, like with the scheduling, I, I do scheduling. Um, but one thing I've noticed in writing this book, like actually getting serious about writing, um, it's almost like I, I have some, some belief systems that, that, you know, when I get on a good roll of writing, I get in a good flow. Um, I'll kind of 
falter a little bit, like, you mm-hmm. know, maybe this is going too easy. I have to be, I, I, I'm going to eventually hit a wall. So let me, let me just stop for a minute and, uh, you know, check my email, check Facebook, whatever. And I have oh, God, no idea what that, <laughs> I have no idea what that is because it, it's so not me. Um, and I don't know if it's because I've, I've gotten so, I've, gotten serious about writing this yeah. book, but that's something that, that's been bothering me as of late, and I don't know what that is. Yeah. So I would, I would just really quickly correct that story immediately because I will tell you it's actually the opposite is true. So most people who wish they could write or want to write or think about writing have never got to a place where they are, they've hit that flow. You know what I mean? Where they've hit that place where like, oh, I could write 100 pages just flowing out of me. Most people mm-hmm. don't get that. That is the hardest place to get to as a writer. I will tell you that for sure. Um, I could be working for four hours and, and know that I'm not there. You know what I mean? Like know that every word is tough. Or I could sit down and two seconds in, four chapters just like literally bubble out of me. So really absolutely reframe that narrative in because the the reality is that is the mark of an actual writer the ability to get into that flow and that is the most coveted place that every writer wants to be because we're not there every single day it's hard to get into it so when you're in it write it all the fucking way to the bank like (laughs) write it until you can't do it anymore so don't do anything else Mm -hmm. don't stop don't anything like Think of yourself like, oh, my God, this is my Ernest Hemingway moment. I hit it. <laughs> like, I'm there. Yay. You know, and, and try not to think about anything else. Like, let everything else fade and just let it pour out of you because that's the mark of a real writer. The ability to mm-hmm. let words flow from your brain onto a page and don't edit, don't anything. Just don't even spell check. Just go until it stops. Until you're exhausted. Okay, and I I do both of those things, so I should stop that. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, no, that's, I mean, and that's that's totally the truth. Like, that is the place every writer wants to be. And and that's, every time we sit down to write, we hope we get into that spot. It's almost like Mm -hmm. an alternate, (laughs) you know, mental state. It's almost kind of probably like how people feel when they're in a highly meditated state, I would think. Right. You know what I mean? Where it, yeah. it's literally kind of pouring out of you and you're like, what is happening right now? So think of that as your golden hour. Like that is, that's the best right there. Yeah. And then, and then don't, don't overthink anything that's coming out on the page. Just get it out. When you've hit that place, you're like, okay, I think I've got everything out I need to say, or, you know, something happens, scheduling, whatever. Then you come back the next day and you clean it up. Mm-hmm. And then the next yeah. day come back and clean it up. So a lot of times I'm trying to get into that space. And right now I'm working on um, my memoir. And it's at like 300 pages, but I know 200 of them are shit. <laughs> need to be rewritten. So a lot of times to get me into that place where I can uh, create the organic pages, you know, the, the fresh new pages, I almost have to start by editing the previous chapter and that will kind of help me get into that space that you're talking about but just Mm. really just change that narrative because that is 
the fact that you can get there is fucking amazing. That tells you a lot. That's where we want to get to. Okay. And, yeah, the editing the previous chapter, I, I never really thought about going back and, and doing that because you're right, that could that, that could kind of, you know, trigger the, the good writing day from before if you're having some issues. Yeah. Um, and it just helps you, like, get okay. back into it, like, get back into, like, right. what you were thinking, how you were going. But sometimes, you know, I think the last time I worked on my memoir was maybe, like, two weeks ago, so it's been a little bit. And before that, I worked on it every single day for multiple hours a day for about two weeks. So I was in that space, and I, right. I wrote – God, over 100 pages um, in that space. Mm. It was just, like, coming out of me. And then I got to this where I'm like, okay, you know, and I'm totally fine with knowing I can step away for two weeks because then when I go back, and what I'll first do is I'll go back and reread the whole 100 pages Mm. so that I'm really, like, in that flow again, and I'll, I'll edit them as I go. Um, But more than anything, I'm trying to kind of get back into the flow that I was there, but I'm also able to see see it in a, with brand new eyes. So I can edit better, I can clean up better, I can move things around, whatever. Yeah, um, yeah that, that's so that, that's yeah. good. Um, because, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, that that that's good. Now, have you thought? Uh, do you have any questions around like the publishing side of it? Have you thought of how you're going to do that? Um. For right now, I'm I'm considering doing um, self-publishing uh, just because I, I mm-hmm. feel like I just want to get it out. But um, right. as I'm as I've been writing, I've um, I've been looking into you know querying and things like that. So I'm I'm open to trying to trying both. And I you know did kind of want to um, you know get your advice on that. Um, what do you think of either or? Yeah. What do you what so, you've done? My first first advice would be rewrite the whole thing. And by rewrite, I mean, like, go through every line. Be like, do I use the right word here? Can I rework this sentence? Like, go sentence by sentence and get every sentence stronger, every sentence clearer, every, you know, make sure that tenses are right. Just, like, all of that stuff. Okay. Probably three full times. Oh, wow. Really before you even let anyone read it honestly. Okay. Because here's what's going to happen. Okay. And I tell new writers this all the time. I made the mistake of sending my very first draft to like my 10 friends. And here's what's going to happen. <laughs> Either they're, well, first of all, probably out of 10, two might read it. Everyone else can be like, yeah, yeah, I read it. It's great. It's great. You're like, but she didn't even <laughs> open up that attachment. Who are you kidding? Um, so their feedback is going to be useless because them just saying, yeah, yeah, it was great, does you no good at all, doesn't help you, you know, see where right. characters need to be developed, doesn't do anything for you. Then you're going to get the one friend who's like, Ugh, I've read 10 books, so no, you need to do this, that, and the other thing. You're like, fuck, my writing sucks. <laughs> Terrible. I'm never going to write again. And he's like, stop writing. So I always say, don't show it to anybody yet. Like, work it, mm. rework it. Make sure it's solid and then go to the one person who can give you legitimate, critical, but good feedback. Like someone who kind of knows what they're doing. Even if that's someone you pay, 
you know, pay an editor, okay. a copy okay. editor, 500 bucks to read it and give you some structural notes. Then you're going to have, after they do that, you're going to have a much stronger, solid document. And then I would look into uh, the query process. And listeners, if you don't know what a query is, uh, if you want to be traditionally published, you have to query an agent. Just Google query <laughs> or query letter. There is a very specific formula you have to follow. If you don't follow this exact formula for that query letter, which is an email that has a very rigid, like it literally tells you what needs to be in each paragraph. If you don't do that, you're going to be blacklisted. <laughs> like they don't fucking play. They don't want to look at anything that isn't official. They don't want you to waste their time. So make sure that you have that right and that it's solid and really good. And then start researching agents and make sure that you only query agents that take your genre of book. So for you, Candace, yours is, would you say is it young adult or no? Paranormal, paranormal fantasy fiction, yeah. Okay. So you're going to want to make sure that the agent not only represents fiction, but that they represent your genre of fiction. So that, that number of agents, you know, fiction agents, let's say there's a thousand in the U.S., the one that represents your particular genre, there might only be 20. Who knows, right? So you don't right. want to query all thousand because you're going to get blacklisted. <laughs> you want to query the 20. And then then that whole process, and it's, it's pretty easy to find what that workflow looks like online just by Googling it. Um, that, that process kind of flows through a very rigid publishing process that hasn't changed, I don't think, in like 100 years. It's kind of old school. Um, but, you know, if let's say all 20 of those turn you down, then you go back and you're like, how could I – rework this? How can I repitch this? Um, and, and you do have to have a couple chapters ready. Uh, and it depends on, on what your genre is. So for self-help, I didn't have to have anything but like two test chapters and what's called a proposal, which is basically like a really strong outline. Um, and then you get a book deal on that when you have an agent. You don't have to write the whole thing. Um, but it's different for fiction. It's different for memoir. It's different for all of that. So do your research and make sure that you know if you have to have the whole book written or just a couple chapters because that's going to make a big difference. Ask. Okay. Yeah. And, um, how, how long would you, would you query, um, you know, depending on if you got rejected by everyone, um, how, how would you decide, you know, maybe I need to work on a new book or um, change my query letter, like how many rejections, um, how, how did you know yeah, that's to a, move on? And That's a good question. So the whole process is so rigid in that literally when you query an agent, you have to wait to hear back from them before you can query another one. They, get, they all know each other and they all talk. And so if everyone gets your query letter at the same yeah. time, you're blacklisted. Like it's I'm not even kidding. When I first started and I didn't know anything, I used to get tweets from agents that are like, really, bitch? Like, do your research before you – like, <laughs> they don't fucking play. They absolutely – they can be such assholes. So, um, so that part you, is a long process. 
you know, it might take them a month to get back. So take you a year to get through your 20. It depends on, on how long they take. Um, but if all of the ones that you can find in your genre are rejecting it, take that advice. Take that advice. It doesn't mean that um, your core manuscript is no good, but it definitely means that you need to strengthen it up or to rework it or something because you're not going to be able to repitch that exact same project to those same agents a second time. Okay. You get one time. So if you repitch it, it's going to have to be a new title. There's going to have to be a whole lot different about it. Um, so, you know, to give you an example, when I queried uh, Thought Stories Life, I got across-the-board rejections. Obviously, it was a piece of shit. But, you know, I thought it was the best thing for twice spread. I was like, oh, my God, this is amazing. But, you know, um, but I had one agent, only one out of probably 50, who responded and said, hey, you have an incredible story here, and there's – keep writing. She's like, this is in no way – publishable, but keep writing. And that was all Hmm. I needed to give me enough hope to be like, okay. And I eventually completely ditched that book. I didn't use anything from that book. And then got to a place where I had the idea for possibly receive. And so she was the first person then that I queried with possibly receive because she was the one who responded with a personal kind of touch, had actually read it, had thought about it, said I had potential. Um, and so she was the first person that I came back to like two years later and said, hey, I have this, this new idea. Um, and she is my agent. So it took almost three years before she signed me. Um, wow. But in that time, I became a way better writer. I feel like I'm 100% better now even than I was when I wrote Hustle, Believe, Receive. You just get better with practice, you know? Okay. Um, how, how did you know that you were, that you were going to succeed? Did you know that you were going to, because the, I, I think that's something that I struggle with. It's like when I'm writing, I think, you know, is this all for nothing? Is, is anyone ever going to see this? Um, is my life going to change uh, because of my pen? Um mm-hmm. And I, I, I just feel like that's a, that's a very hard way to think, but I can't help it sometimes. Um, and, you know, you're saying yeah. that when you started querying it, it, it took, you, took you three years. Mm-hmm. Um, so w- what do you think about um, the, the fear of failure? Because I, I think that's kind of the way I'm thinking. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, how did you get past that? <laughs> yeah. For me, I think um, I I knew that I had something to share that the world needed to hear. And I, I don't mean that in an arrogant way because I definitely was 100% not arrogant about it. But I had been writing um, and sharing kind of my, my tips and my stories, those two things, on my blog. And it had like 4 million hits at its highest point. Um, and so I knew people resonated with the way I was sharing, which was really different than anything else I had read. And at that point, um, mind you, you, you are a badass hadn't even come out. So there was nobody 
who was writing the way I was writing as far as just almost like normal conversation style that was cussing mm-hmm. in their work that was like, you know, <laughs> using whatever, like street lingo. <laughs> and so when I was writing, I was like, no one's going to publish this. Like, this is crazy. I'm not an actual writer. But all the feedback I was getting from people who were reading the blog were like, this is why I like you because it's like I'm having lunch with my friend and she's actually telling me something valuable. Mm-hmm. And, and it's all those things that make you raw that, that I like. And so I think for me, I knew that what I was doing could make a change. And I knew that my story was really unique. So those are the two things that I believed in wholeheartedly from day one, like wholeheartedly. I knew my story was different than anyone else's that I had heard. So that alone, just from, just from even um, a marketing perspective and a story perspective, I knew it had value because it was different, right? So for, for, for you, the story you're creating, look at it through those eyes or try to, try to look at it through an agent's eyes. How are they going to pitch this? How are they going to sell this? That will really help you. Honestly, that will help you so much if you can um, the more you reread it and the more you kind of rework it, start looking at it through, like, how would I pitch this if I was in front of a movie director? How would I pitch this if I was in front of a publisher? Why is it marketable? Why do people want to hear it? And so I had started kind of looking at my story in that way going, I know why people want to hear it. I know the elements that um, make it unique, that make it strong, that make it inspiring or whatever the case was. And so I believed in that, like, without any doubt. Now, did I believe in myself as a writer? Without it? Fuck no. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God, if someone publishes <laughs> me, like, that's magic, right? But I also had, from the very beginning, I was like, if I'm going to put my blood, sweat, and tears into a book, I'm going to walk into a bookstore and buy the book. Like, there was no, absolutely no option in between. So I would have rather written something that my kids would have, you know, been like, yeah, here's a manuscript my mom wrote when they're cleaning out their garage um, and had no one read it versus not hitting that goal. So that helped a lot, like having those three elements super clear, understanding how it could be valuable, how it could be sold, what my end goal was, and that that was non-negotiable, and I believed in the story. So those pieces of it, the belief in you can come later. You know what I'm saying? Like if you believe in what you're writing and the story, that it's good, that it's marketable, that it's solid, that it's unique, that it's different, that it whatever, you can believe in that all day and still have some doubts in your personal abilities. They can be two separate (laughs) things. So whichever part you feel like you can dive in, to embrace that and then the rest will come. And I will say, like, I don't think I felt like a writer until maybe, like, last year. <laughs> even even oh then, I, you know, like, yes, I was an author. I was a two-time author. But I, it took me a long time to get to the place where, like, I could go to a cocktail party and someone say, what do you do? And I'd be like, I'm a writer. Like, a long time. That's it, But through all of that? I could have fought to the death for my books. Does that make sense? Like mm-hmm. I could fight to the yeah. death for like what 
what they bring and the method they teach and like I believe in that you can call me cocky on that I don't give a fuck like like that I will go to the desk for but me as a talented writer I mean I hope that I achieve that through a lifetime of books you know what I'm saying like that to me will always be a bit aspirational Well, you're you're an awesome writer. I I you know I I have your I have your book and I've I've got my notes written all over it. Um, <laughs> I mean that that that's just that's just amazing to me that you know even even you kind of you know you still struggle with that uh, you know as as far as you've come. That's um, wow. Um, but um, yeah, I I, I definitely am. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I think that's part of putting your heart into anything. You kind of always feel like, you know, it could be better. I could do this. I could do that, you know. So so I guess what I'm saying is don't wait till you don't feel that way. Okay. I think okay. we're yeah. always going to feel yeah, like that unless we're arrogant dicks. You know? <laughs> like, <laughs> we're always going to feel like we can improve and we want to get better. And, you know, I'm, as I'm writing my memoir, which is narrative, it's a totally different form of writing than I've ever done before to prepare and and I've written it 10 times from scratch over 10 years and this fucker is 300 pages so that gives you an idea of the level of work that's gone into it but to prepare for that I spent the last year listening to 150 memoirs and women narrative novels on audible just so that I could be more versed like kind of know how those stories come together and things like that because I knew it was different, a different space and a different genre for me. You know what I mean? So right. reading in your genre is going to help a lot too. And, and don't read, read it looking for like ideas on how to change your work, if that makes sense. Yeah. Read it for just it like does. how stories come together, how characters develop, how, you know, dialogue works, like stuff like that. Right. And probably just to get a break too, because I, I feel like as a writer, I can sometimes I can just get in my head, and <laughs> mm-hmm. having a break from that is is good. Um, a, another thing I, I wanted to ask you about was dreaming bigger, um, because I'm as much as a writer as I am, and as much as I believe in in what I'm writing, what I'm going to put out to the world, um, I'm very, <laughs> I can be a realist. <laughs> sometimes right. and um i've been writing down some goals especially during quarantine and you know wrote down one year goals five year goals and um i don't know sometimes i i, I feel like my dreams aren't aren't um guiding me enough they're not yeah big enough That's a good to question get me yeah because if, <laughs> if they aren't what's going to happen is the first or the second or the fifth negative response you get, and you will get them. Like, that's just facts. You're going to get denied by agents. You're going to get denied by publishers. You're going to get people who write it or read it and don't get it. Um, you're going to get the one person who you thought was going to give you good feedback and they give you critical feedback. That is literally the price you pay for being a writer. <laughs> just know that mm-hmm. right now. Um, okay. So that when it happens, you, you don't take it as personal. I mean, it's going to hurt and you're going to take it personal, but 
know that that's part of what's making you a real writer, right? Every single real writer goes through that. Um, and so if, if you don't have the end goal or the end vision or the end dream set in a way that you're like, oh, my God, I want that more than I want anything else, then all those disappointments are going to be like, you know what, fuck this. Like, I have better <laughs> shit to do with my time. Like, trust me, I'm not out here trying to get bashed by everything and everyone and whatever, you know what I'm saying? And so for me, the, the dream of being able to walk into Barnes & Noble, and it had to, it was, for me, it was very specific. I was like, Barnes & Noble. <laughs> there was two places I wanted to buy mm-hmm. my books. Barnes & Noble and a fucking airport. That was it. So I was like, if I can't buy my books there, then I haven't, I haven't hit that moment. I haven't hit those, those goals. I still have yet to buy them at the airport, so that one's still outstanding. <laughs> but um, but the, the Barnes & Noble one was very clear for me. And so it was like until I get that moment, I, I, haven't, uh, I haven't, you know, reached that dream as of yet. So, therefore, anything that comes between me and that moment is surmountable. Like I will figure a way around it. I will mm-hmm. rework it. I will rewrite it. I will take my agent's advice and drop this and add that. I'll do literally whatever it takes because I want my moment. I want my moment. And I want that moment more than I don't want it. That's what it really comes down to, right? So if we're looking at a dream and on one hand, it's like, go ahead, live life as is from here to forever. On the other hand is build a legacy. Um, have a moment like that. Be one in a million. I don't even know what the statistics are for the amount of authors to the amount of humans on this earth, but it's probably even less than that, right? Um, right. Every book that's traditionally published in the United States winds up in the Library of Congress. I have two books that are in the Library of fucking Congress. Like, those are the types of things that you're like, okay, this is, on one hand, I could have this if I persevere, if I don't give up, if I choose to believe in myself and my work over the doubt. Or on the other hand, mm-hmm. I could just go on living. And if you can do that, and one just does not seem like an option for you, which for me was just go on just living, then you know. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and that comes over time. So the very first time you think about it, it's not going to be as strong. The more you dream about those big moments, the more you dream about, you know, one of them for me was like I wanted to do a book signing at Barnes & Noble where my kids were signing the books because both of them are dedicated to them. Their names are in, in them. And so yeah. I wanted to kind of have this moment where they're signing and I'm signing and whatever. And, and they're seeing, you know, their mom's name on a book at their favorite bookstore, that type thing. Um, and those types of moments were so powerful that they were the thing that got me to bounce back when I had a disappointment or I was re- rejected or whatever. Cause I'm like, until I get that moment, nothing's going to stop me. So that, yeah. that is super critical. Find your moment. You know, maybe your moment is when this book becomes a trilogy or becomes a, series or when fucking Disney World makes a park out of it like they did Harry Potter. I don't know. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like 
I right. bet you anything J.K. Rowling had some big dreams when she was <laughs> writing and submitting a book that no one believed in forever. For sure, yeah, for sure. You know, so, and it's definitely possible. I mean, there's there's many, um, who's the girl that wrote Fifty Shades of Grey? She's self-published initially, right? So you can do it multiple ways. But I think find your thing that is right. your ultimate moment. And when you have that, then everything else just becomes what you have to do to get there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I don't think it's ever a failure. I mean, first of all, putting the effort and the imagination into writing a novel is an amazing thing. I don't know how novelists do it. I can't even imagine, quite honestly. Like, that seems, like, so hard to me. Um, so I think, like, that in itself is an incredible, incredible feat. So decide what it is that your ultimate outcome is for that work. Like, what's the ultimate pay payback or payout? What do you get in exchange for putting this work into the world? Mm-hmm. And go big with that because if you don't, you're gonna, you're not gonna want to go through the effort it takes to get there, if the payout isn't big enough. Mm-hmm. Isn't yeah, I'm very enough. realistic. Really, you. <laughs> yeah, I have very realistic things that I've I've written down, and I I need to go to go bigger. I, so I give me an example of the other day. So. Do you have an example of one of your realistic goals as it relates to? Your book? A real, um, I'm kind of embarrassed. <laughs> um, no, no, say it because this is how you dream bigger. Um, to be able to have another, um, another vehicle for my for my kids. Uh, right now, I have a you know a smaller yeah. car. I, I have one one SUV, but I'd like to be able to have. Another one, so me and my husband don't have to switch cars as often with the kids. Um, yeah. Like I said, very realistic. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, so so if that is just a given side effect of success, right? So if if you're if you sell this book and you get a nice advance, and I'll, I'll just tell you the payment systems in this process are long and laborious. You get paid twice a year. Um, in traditional publishing and so yeah most people don't know that Um, and for a first time author that at least in my experience in both my book deals uh, advances are kind of a joke so the money might not be there for the first year or two um, or it might I mean if if, especially your fiction which is totally different than what I write so you know you get it in front of the right agent they're like holy shit this is a brand new idea this is totally marketable I love it Um, either way you're, it, it will be a long game because the money increases over time, right? So the, the more you write, the bigger the deals get, the more your name grows, just all of those things. Mm-hmm. So through the process of that success, then getting that minivan or that other car or whatever the case is, is like a given side effect. Let's, let's look at it that way. Not necessarily the goal, okay. but a given side effect. Like, of course I would get that. Like, why wouldn't I? You know what I'm saying? And so... Right. Maybe maybe the goals are um, to buy the the dream house or to 
um, get that second book deal or to get the book deal syndicated to the movie or things like that. So those are the types of, of dreams. Like for, for me, the thing that's kept me writing my memoir after 10 years is that I want to see it on the big screen. And mm. one of the ways for me to get it there is to have a memoir that is widely read, widely accepted and, you know, critically acclaimed. So then it can become a, a movie, right? But the movie right. is my ultimate goal. Like literally one of the moments that get me out of bed is sitting at the Academy Awards and watching my movie be up for it. You know, I'm not saying that I'm going to get up, but the movie about my life is, is up. So a dream like that is big enough to make me go through all this shit. And I know... <laughs> I know a second car seems like it is, but trust me, girl, like you get three rejections in a row. You're like, you know what? Fuck it. I'll take a second job and get that car. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, but, I understand. But if getting, understand. getting yeah. a three-book deal, a three-book deal, and all of a sudden you're the new J.K. Rowling or whatever, okay, now I'm in. Does that make sense? It does, Yeah. Yeah. It changes everything, well, right? It's like, oh, shit, it okay, yeah. now I'm in. Yeah. Now I'm willing to put the kids to bed early. Now I'm willing to rewrite it three times if I have to. Now I'm willing to hustle until I get an agent or whatever all those steps are because I could have that. Holy shit. I could be the one in a million that has that. Like this is my lottery ticket. I, and I, I believe that every one of us, has our contribution to the world within us, you can call it purpose, passion, whatever, um, which is also our hidden lottery ticket. Almost like the, the Wonka ticket, right? Like buried within yeah. all of us. Yeah, yeah. And the lucky few of us figure out what that is. And you're one because you've figured out what you like to do. So yeah. if on that one hand, remember if we're doing our, our little comparison, if on that one hand you can cash that in, and leave your mark on this world and build a legacy and whatever else matters to you. Mm -hmm. And on the other hand, not have any of that, mm, I'm going to take that chance. For sure, yeah. I think you're, well. you've already done the hardest part. You've already done by <laughs> far the hardest part. You're not talking about how I wish I would write a book and I have a good idea about a book. Let me tell you, I get probably 20 of those DMs a fucking week. <laughs> I have a great idea for a book. <laughs> How about you tell me what to write? How about I not? How about you go figure that out and write it yourself? Uh, right. But in care. Don't do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's hard. Like you said, it's hard. But <laughs> I mean, I don't know what else yep. to do with myself if I, if I wasn't writing. I, I literally have tried to drop this, but it, it just keeps Haunting so, me in my dreams, like I, I can't it. stop. So I just think of it as your it. hidden Willy Wonka ticket. It's like hidden inside <laughs> you. You're, getting, you're letting it out. Or you're casting it in. Um, yeah, I'm but I did want to really quickly answer. Right, <laughs> I wanted to answer one of your first questions, which was about um, you know your word count stuff. So I know different authors will say all kinds of of different things. I have to be honest that I'm not. Um, as disciplined or as rigid as even I would like to be. 
Um, okay. But I would say that it still cures me. Like, I couldn't be that rigid and still run a business and be a mom and all that. I w- fully believe that, you know, in the next five years, if my kids go off to college and I have more time and my business changes, I would love to in 10 years just be the girl that's like in the villain Italy and all I do is write books, right? So I, I see that morphing and changing. And, and when that happens, I probably will write every day. But mm-hmm. in my world today, that doesn't make sense at all. Like I couldn't make that work. So I would say it's less about that for me anyway um, and more about maybe have the goal to write a chapter a week. Remember, a chapter can be three pages sometimes or 20. It depends on right. how you're writing it. So if you – or even maybe this, because I'm all about setting goals that we can achieve because when we do them, it builds our self-confidence and it helps our story change to be a success story versus a failure story to ourselves. So maybe you have the goal of, like, I will either write or rewrite a chapter a week. A rewrite can take anywhere from 20 minutes to an hour, you know. So that gives right. you some some room to play around with that you are always setting yourself up for success and you're keeping in the work. Yeah. You know, you're not, not just staring at a blank page and I can't do anything. I can go back and work on something. Um, 100%. I would go through a sentence by <laughs> sentence. Like, okay. honest to God. And then the, the other thing that I would do that would really help you out a lot is um, read it to yourself. So read it chapter by chapter um, to your voice memo on your phone. And when you, Hmm. both when you read it out loud and when you listen to it, you're going to hear totally different things than you ever would have on the page. Oh, this is helpful. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Yeah, Okay. Yeah. And that will help your rewrite process a ton because then you're going to hear, do I say and every other word? Do I say he said, she said? Mm-hmm. You know, because stuff will annoy you on Audible that wouldn't on the page or won't work. You know, for instance, I have hashtags in Hustle, Believe, Receive that are all in parentheses that are meant for mm-hmm. the the paperback so that when you're reading as as the reader, it's just a mental note. You kind of don't really notice them or whatever. It's just helping you kind of keep track of how things fit together in the puzzle, right? But they're in parentheses right. for a reason. In other words, just like don't don't even think about it, right? Well, my fucking narrator for Audible, <laughs> and I had no idea this was even gonna. I it never even dawned on me that she would read that shit. So literally every fortieth word, she's like hashtag this, hashtag that, and, <laughs> and it got panned. I mean, a lot of people were like, I can't even listen to this, and I'm like, I can't either. A few people were like, it was great. It helped me keep track. <laughs> but it was that type yeah. of thing. Like, had I just done that one thing, I would have been like, oh, make sure she doesn't read this shit. So it will really help you in the rewrite process for sure. Yeah. All right, yeah, girl. I hope this great. was helpful. I hope you learned some new it's stuff. Um, to all of my aspiring writers and teacher authors out there, I hope you learned some, some good things. Candace, thank you so much for your questions today and for um, your open honesty and for sharing this uh, part of your journey with us. So have you come up with a name yet for your book, which I know they're always working until until print day, but do you have a title? (laughs) 
I do. The name of my first book is called Wings. There we go. There we go. All right, y'all. You're going to have to grab it when it comes out. Okay, everybody, until next time, I want you to go out and hustle and thrive. And if you want to be uh, a listener who I coach or share advice with, um, I will put the links in our notes for you to apply. And until next time, get out there, make it happen, dream big. Thanks for listening. And remember, if you got value from today's show, please spread the love by clicking subscribe, leaving a stellar review, and telling everyone you know. And join us next time on The Sarah Centrella Show.